0: There is now. And welcome to the SVK Crypto Podcast, 15 Minutes of Crypto Failure. My name is Charles Story. I will be your host for the next 15 minutes. Well, scratch that. This is the second episode of When EOS Rules the World, brought to you with my co-host, Mr. Oliver Mayer, our in-house blockchain analyst here at SVK Crypto.
1: Thank you, Charles. Yeah, this is our second episode. Really excited to be doing this and um, we have a jam-packed show for you tonight. There's been absolutely uh, a wealth of uh, new developments within the EOS IO community in the last week and we're really excited to get straight down into it and start discussing them.
0: So let's get into it. What's been happening? What's been going on? What do people need to know? Where do you want to kick things
1: off? All right, let's uh, let's start with EOS forty-two and their yep. proposal this week for cooperative voting infrastructure bounties. So. What what the problem is right now is that your token holders are voting for BPs and they're not really sure what objectives those BPs are trying to achieve outside of uh, just producing blocks. So, you know, you, you might really be interested in a particular project or, or a particular development that you want to see on EOSIO and you're not sure which one of the BPs out there is going to be facilitating that. Now EOS42 have partnered with other block producers in the space to essentially create a criteria-driven Uh, project focused voting system so as you guys um, might be aware of EOS 42 run a uh, proxy and a proxy is the ability for users to delegate their votes to the proxy and the proxy will then vote for block producers on their behalf so Chintai which is run by EOS 42 they have a proxy and they're now saying that rather than just allocating these votes based on you know who they prefer in the in the marketplace They'll be allocating these votes based on wh- what projects they'll be delivering to the uh, network, and the two projects that they've really talked about so far is a full history, uh, an open source full history solution. So. Just to give you a little bit of background, because I do want to touch on this later in the show, um, a full history plugin allows anyone who is a decentralized application, um, smart contract owner, to essentially query the blockchain for any data that they might need, whether it be you know, previous account transactions or um, public keys, anything like that, they'll use a, a history plugin. But so far, um, the network has uh, been reliant on only a few and it's been very closed off and, and, and not open source. So we'll touch on that later, but I think that's a really important criteria.
0: Well, I think there's like three key points that you've just mentioned there. The first being EOS42, one of London's leading block producers, always continuing and innovating and growing along with the community. They've been there since day one. David Packham, a close friend of ours, has really been leading the forefront of that, right? the ecosystem drive, building out different applications and dApps. The second point being kind of following on for the first Shintai, the largest token leasing platform on the EOS mainnet and the proxy that they have controls over 26 million tokens. So anyone that they're voting for via its proxy service is going to have a huge uplift. Are they limited to the amount of people that they can vote for? So, does, it, does it? Can it only be one? Or no. So, Talk me so, about that. so the
1: proxy follows the same protocol as uh, token holders. They can vote for up to thirty different BPs that they that they want. But um, the 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 great thing about what they're doing is now they're saying here are the two projects that we mm. want to accomplish, mm. and we're interested in voting for the BPs that are committed to uh, to achieving those goals. So, just for moving on to that second point um there is a there is a proposal in EOS to rotate the 21st block producers so if so at the moment you have 21 bps and those are the ones that are, have been voted in and have the top 21 most votes however we want to make sure that anybody who's in the standby positions and a standby block producer by the way is anyone who is entitled to over 100 EOS Will be, uh, will be paid and is a standby block producer. So there's no set number, it's just if you have enough votes to, to earn 100 EOS a day, you become a standby block producer. Now, we wanna make sure that any one of those BPs are uh, able to able to produce blocks. That's the minimum standard for a block producer. They have to be able to produce blocks. So what we're looking for in our second proposal is to create a function where we can periodically, every six hours, take, the 21st block producer and swap them over with one of the standby block producers to, to make sure that they have the ability to produce blocks. Okay, I mean, just testing them out? Correct. <laughs> to make sure that everyone who's a standby block producer is ready at any moment to step into that top 21 space and make the network more redundant and more secure.
0: I think that's really interesting. And obviously the greater Shintai becomes, and it's had a huge uh, phenomenal growth in the last couple of months. You know, the more their proxy grows due to the token token leasing aspect of what they do, so the more powerful they become. In the network as well, mm. and I think it's really interesting that they're looking to incentivize other BPs who are looking to work and commit time and energy into different projects coming out. Which all in all is going to grow and do mm. and better the whole of the EOS ecosystem and mainnet
1: itself. Yeah. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility. So I think this is a really good move from EOS 42 and I'm, I'm, I'm fully supporting it. I agree. So EOS 42
0: have put out other news as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yep so they've been very busy this week um, and the next story is rewriting reg producer contracts on, on EOSIO so when you're a block producer you have to sign a, an agreement which is one of the contracts uh, within the within the core of EOSIO protocol and that is the reg producer contract and you, you know you need to sign with your block producing key and you need to agree to certain terms that you're you're supposed to uphold as a block producer now EOS42 are looking to um change that slightly because they want to be able to enforce things that you can enforce so there are certain things that you can't enforce uh, programmatically from the block producer side one of them is co- you know collusion between block producers paying for votes right. it's incredibly difficult to know who who's paying for what votes where they're getting them from and it's not something that can be enforced on chain because that data is not available on chain of course How- however things like missing blocks Is data that's available on chain and the ability and what we're looking to kind of accomplish here is is that this reg producer contract would maybe have some power and it would be able to analyze the block producers who agreed to this contract and anybody who was who missing blocks over a certain number of blocks that they missed or you know if they were if they were misusing their ability as block producers they could then be taken out of that top 21 uh, rotation so it's it's an interesting one because it will obviously affect the block producers in quite a, 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 you know, quite a profound way. If you know, they're, they're, they're found to be missing blocks, they'll lose their spot in the top 21. So th- in order for this to actually get implemented, I, I think that um, they might initially change the contract and not include those uh, enforceable rules because ultimately the block producers are the ones who vote this in. How transparent is the how transparent is it to the community which block
0: producers are missing blocks like how easy is that information to find
1: you know if, if for the average token holder i i don't think that they're they're going to know that the 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 uh, block producers are missing blocks i don't think it's common knowledge i think that's very much something specific to those who are who are actually producing blocks in the network and they can see the rotation they can see who is missing their slots. Um, but I, I still I don't I don't think that means it's not an issue. I think that it, it really is it really is a problem because what you have is you have certain block producers who are really fulfilling their mm-hmm. their role to the best that they can, mm-hmm. and you have others who are being voted in, but actually they're not they're not uh, fulfilling their role to the best of their ability. And what that means is that the performance of the mainnet suffers. So everyone who's producing blocks. Uh, perfectly is providing great performance for EOSIO and then people who are missing blocks is essentially you know, degrading from that performance. Well, I think
0: we're growing a lot and we're learning and as we grow we learn. And mm. with regards to that, total transparency is key. And it's like a political campaign with a lot of these block producers. They set out what they're looking to achieve and what they're looking to bring to all token holders out there. But what we're starting to learn now is some of them are missing blocks and not fulfilling on what really matters is keeping Mm. the mainnet active and running. Do you feel in the next six months to the next year, we're going to start to see that transparency more reported? And do you think there's going to be a place to really check that? Because as a token holder, I'm voting, as you say, for people who are promising to deliver and maybe already are, but I don't have visuals on what they're doing and if they're actually missing blocks, which Mm. is not yeah.
1: cool yeah I think that um, you know the transparency will increase over the next 6 to 12 months it's something that uh, is, is, a, is, a, is a question that you raise and it's a problem because as a token holder there are many many variables that you need to take into account when making these votes and that I guess that's one of the big reasons to vote for a proxy but you know it's certainly clear that it's becoming more complex and um, you know just just to kind of wrap up on this point the the way that this is going to get implemented is if 15 out of the 21 block producers are uh, vote for it so that's why it's slightly conflicting but I think that it would really uh, go a long way in making sure that there was no shortcutting on the network and you know, rather than having to go through a process of 15 out of 21 votes to then, um, to then rule out a block producer in the rotation, which is what, it, what you'd currently have to do, those rules would be enforced programmatically. Maybe we'll only enforce the most severe cases you know, to start with, but I think it's a, it's a step in the right direction for, for governance and uh, for block production.
0: I agree. So across the pond over in New York, we have our good friends EOS New York. Mr. Kevin Rose himself has come on the show a few different times. What's
1: been happening there? What's been going on? So the latest thing out of uh, EOS New York is their proposal for a EOS user agreement, which would replace the interim constitution that's currently on the EOS IO mainnet. So the there's there's kind of you know a few different changes in here, but to really give you the main one, it would be the ability for um, block production to bypass... Any rulings from the EOS Core Arbitration Forum. So this uh, user agreement basically strips the ECAF out of out of the Constitution entirely, and I'm really in fact I'm really in, uh, in favor of this because I think that what is required to really build trust within the, the EOS ecosystem is for these uh, powers and abilities to bypass permissions on EOS accounts to change uh, the you know to undo transactions moving forwards. Um, I think that it it really it goes against it goes against the integrity of the network. I think, especially from a from an outsider's perspective, because when these rulings are made and these transactions aren't actually undone, so the EOSIO is uh, the chain is still immutable. What happens is, moving forward, those transactions are are reversed, as I, I should say. But I still think that having someone that is kind of overarching on the whole network and can make those changes on behalf of, um, you know, all of the participants is, is, is not right. And I, I think that, um, you know, moving forward. There'll be a lot more trust, and especially when we look at kind of financial applications and things that require a degree of immutability that you know you really you really need to be certain of. Um, I think that removing the arbitration forum makes a lot of sense. That's a really interesting point and also a controversial one within
0: the EOS ecosystem. I know a lot of people agree with what you just said as well. But to take it back is this now live or is this something that token holders can go and vote upon
1: yes so this is now live on blocks.io which is uh, if you're not aware, you can go to blocks.io you can go to vote and then you can go to referendums and you'll see that uh, the referendum is right there it has currently got 13 million total votes of which just under uh, 13 million are yes votes so it looks very good so far now this if you reference our previous podcast, comes back to the point of, you know, you, in order to get something approved on EOS, you need 15% of, uh, of the total votes to get that approved. And that's also something that's been removed from the Constitution. So if this Constitution gets uh, invoked, then that, that necessity won't be required. But obviously right now it is. So in order to get this approved, we need about 80 to about 90 million votes. <laughs> so we how that works. So we need 80 to 90 million votes. We're currently on 13 million. Yeah, which is actually pretty good for the amount of time that it's been out. So, I'm, I'm, so how long has it been out for? Uh, it was created on the 7th of on the February. 7th. So not, not not too bad for, for, you know, 12 days.
0: I mean, you'd really expect the big push to come now, right? With the start of this and it's fresh in everyone's minds. So how long does this have until... It's over, or is this
1: kind of unlimited until it gets the vote? So, I think that the, uh, it expires on the 8th of May 2019. So, it expires in three months, uh, about 90 days. And, um, you know, if it does, it needs to expire so that it you know, has a, a natural end. Of course. But, yeah. of course, you know, what we're trying to do is promote participation in these in these referendums in these votes i know that a lot of token holders are still not aware of it so i think this is a good forum for us to yeah absolutely
0: so talking about proxies and votes i want to give a big shout out to eos aurora and miles over there they've done a phenomenal job in the launch of the eos aurora proxy itself so i just want to say a big shout out to those guys and a big well done for making it happen what's the total power of uh of that proxy at the minute how many votes have those guys got
1: i'm reading it on eos authority right now and it says that they're proxied staked eos 84 and a half thousand votes so they've just recently launched this they're very very knowledgeable in the space so i i really um I implore anyone to check out their site and to, you know, you see Miles has done a lot of reports on EOS in the past, so um, they're very insightful and, uh, you know, go check those guys out if you're looking for a proxy on the EOSIO ecosystem. So we've been covering quite a few big topics today, as we always do, the bigger, the better,
0: and that's what we love to discuss. Last but not least, we have one final big topic
1: for today's show, which is... Is state history uh, plugin. So let's just give you a bit of background there. So Attic Labs have uh, have come out and they are now uh, launching their their own version of a full history state plugin, which is open source. Uh, Attic Labs are a block producer in the EOSIO ecosystem. They've actually been doing a really, really good job of putting out a lot of interesting content. I know that they've recently launched their mobile wallet, so everyone should go and check that out if you're looking for a wallet. Uh, Attic Labs have done a great job of that. So I need to give a bit of background to this. So like a a context. Yeah, a bit of context. Like like I like I mentioned previously, uh, you know, a few minutes ago in the podcast, the the state history plugin allows applications to to pull information from the blockchain. And it's a really, really important requirement because you know obviously all these applications are constantly querying the chain to understand balances, to provide feedback to their users. And the type of calls that uh, we're seeing could be like 2,500 to 3,000 calls a second for, for on, on some of these APIs. Now, not all block producers are, are actually implementing a state history plugin because it's expensive. Why is it expensive? Well, EOS produces blocks every half second. So there is a lot of information being processed all the time. And that information gets stored on the blockchain. And that is growing all the time. So you know, in, in order to run a state history plugin that is completely comprehensive and encompasses all data... It's a matter of tens of terabytes at this point. So, finding storage for tens of terabytes and keeping your APIs online is expensive. And you know, a lot in the past, there's been block producers who have had to resign from doing these duties because they're standby BPs and they simply couldn't afford to do it. And we've had some issues in the past where. The state history plugins have actually gone down because the number of calls going to them is just too many. Wow. And the whole network came to a halt because, you know, without being able to query the blockchains, a lot of these applications, they just can't work properly. And these
0: are all the DApps that are running currently, so the gambling DApps and all the other sectors yeah. and sizes that we're seeing are all relying on this.
1: All relying on this. And, 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 you know, this is a problem that we really need to solve and we are solving it now because it's going to only get 10 times worse when we have even more users even more sophisticated applications. There's been lots of um, interesting kind of back and forth between block producers because some of the BPs are, you know, that one of their requirements is that they have to, uh, you know, operate API endpoints. For the for the users to access data, and they've actually been proxying their uh, their uh, their API endpoints to other who have right. got better technology oh, without yeah. telling anybody. So oh, I know okay. that Graymass, back in the uh, back uh, in kind of a few a week, few weeks ago, they posted something, and they were saying that everyone was transferring the data over to them because they had pretty they had pretty. Uh, well, that ro- comes
0: back to the transparency point that we mentioned, right? Like more openness going yeah. on to what's really going on. After I give my votes to you, BP number A, what are you doing with it? Like, is it going to A, B, C, D, and E? Like, see what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And so, there's a few uh, workarounds that have been worked on. So Shios has just uh, launched a a light light history node for uh, API. So what that enables people to do is they looked at they looked at the usage and they said, right, what are people really querying the blockchain for? And most of the time it was like the last hundred transactions or the last thousand transactions. There was no need for the full history to be present. So light history basically allows Nodes that are less computationally equipped mm-hmm. to, to index the, the, the uh, blockchain, provide APIs for, say, the last 10 transactions on every account. And that really reduces the size of the, the, the data they need to compute. And, right. and that allows for a lot more redundancy. Now, instead of having only the block producers offering these, um, these, these services, you can have more people with less intensive hardware offering it. And any queries that go beyond those 10 or 100 transaction history will get routed to a full history node and can be taken care of. But I think that it's a really good point to to just be aware that these services are crucial to to the blockchain. And, and, and a lot of the time, a lot of the time what you're doing is you're accessing uh, you're accessing a closed source service, which is a problem. So, you know, if you're if you're accessing an a, if you're accessing data through an API that is essentially not open source, like some some block producers will index the the data, and that will be a, a kind of a proprietary indexing system. So you're accessing data that is not open source, and the one problem is with that um, is you know you now it's now not transparent. And it, the data could have been changed. It's possible that you know the blockchain says X, and maybe one transaction or so two. so. The tra-
0: data from where to who? Like so, when's this data potentially getting changed? So
1: so, so if you take that, the, they have the global blockchain state, and then you take that as a block producer and you index it to make it easy to query, okay. and then you offer APIs to people so they can access it. Right? If I take that data and before I index it, I change some of it around. I, I can make I can make changes then you have to trust that I didn't make changes, Uh, or or you have to make sure that you check all the Merkle routes in the transactions to make sure that they point back to the the blocks, which you can do in EOS. Each block has Merkle routes, so it's very hard to manipulate transactions. In in, in, In theory, it's almost impossible to do, because if you manipulate a transaction, you basically change all the hashes and all the Merkle routes that precede it and they'll all be invalid but it's just something to be aware of that you know that is that is that that is what's happening when you're accessing a closed source API's you're trusting them and you're you're trusting that your client is making sure to check all the Merkle routes and make sure that that transaction that it's uh, saying was included in the blockchain actually was so that's really interesting uh, who
0: so who's everyone been putting their votes towards for the API that you mentioned. Is it just gray Mass or are there are a few other BPs that are doing an exceptional job? Because Greymass has struggled to get into the top 21. Mm, this... They had the gray Mass wallet, which mm. was a huge success. Mm-hmm. And they've never really found lots of traction. I've never seen them in the top 10. They may have been in the top
1: 21 a few times. I don't believe they're currently there at the minute. Yeah, no. So it's
0: interesting why they haven't been jumped up if that's, that was the case I actually
1: think the Grey Mass have done a really really good job in the space and and you're right They ha- I, I hadn't seen them uh, for any good amount of time in yeah. the top 21 and that's a shame because they're, they're... Their wallet is, was very impressive, but their wallet was one of the first out there. We have oh, we take yeah. it for granted now that we have lots of different wallets, but you know when we when we, <laughs> we were working with like just <laughs> Cleos and EOS Voter, you had like no choice, and it was really uh, a godsend to have that at that time, so you could check your balances and so on and so forth. And then obviously they've actually been kind of instrumental in this uh, in the full history nodes because not only. Did they support a lot of block, the other block producers when uh, theirs went down? They also now have a, a redundant service and they've created this uh, this light history uh, node as well, which is, I think, very revolutionary and something that now Shios is going off the back of. So Shios have understood that this is a problem and that needs to be addressed. And, uh, you know, they're now spinning up their own version of a node to make sure that there's enough API endpoints for you know, people to access without overloading them.
0: Of course. And we can't talk about Shios without mentioning Jess Holgrave, who's a co-host for our Thursday episode, Women in Blockchain. She actually did just Thursday, just gone an awesome episode with Crystal Rose, the other co-founder of Shios mm, as yeah. well, right? They did an awesome episode. Big shout out to the ladies there and all the great work that they're doing and executing
1: as well. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, I think, Sense Chat coming online and the tokens for that mm. being available to trade and utilize on, the, on their app. So that's going to be really, really interesting to look out for. So before we wrap things up, let's talk about gaming. And I think that
0: you know, we've, we've discussed internally, and we've talked as well. You know, gaming is such a big sector. And especially for EOS, fast, free and scalable, it, it's a perfect fit for gaming. What we're going to start seeing, what we believe is going to happen is a gaming marketplace to trade in-game items with each other. We haven't seen anyone really pioneering this yet that's something that we're really excited about Mm. and really looking forward to and looking at where that's going to come from we've seen a few different guys come through um, with a few different offerings which hasn't been quite there Mm. but in-game marketplace could be a huge catalyst to large
1: adoption for EOS absolutely and I expect this to be a a, you know a high growth sector Um, lots of games actually now are are actually Separating their offering in some ways. So you have the game and then you have the marketplace itself which is a completely separate offering and you you know when you're looking at a business you're not sure whether maybe the the actual game will take right. off or, or maybe the, marketplace, the in-game marketplace. Yeah. So the thing with uh, in-game assets especially digital items is that the, the, the velocity. Um, which means the number of times that these tokens actually trade hands is, is really high, usually. Usually, there's a lot, a lot of transfers going on. So, if, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that you need to have scale, it's highly important. And I think that there are some marketplaces still building out on Ethereum, but the majority have seen that you do need scale at this point in time to resupport. Really a uh, a a mass production uh, of uh, of the, of digital goods. The other thing that is interesting as well, and you know, a lot of these digital goods are quite cheap. You know, you can obviously you have provable scarcity, and that's one of the coolest things about having uh, on-chain digital assets is that you have provable scarcity. No one can have the exact same item as you. But a lot of these are low cost. Um, they're you know, the ones that are less rare. Imagine that you're trying to sell uh, an in-game asset for $0.07. You know, and the gas, the gas cost gas for that is more, right? maybe more than $0.07. Then you know, that, that, that really doesn't support and, and emphasize microtransactions, which I believe is going to be a big part of, um, of these in-game marketplaces. And what's really interesting now is with WAX, you can also now connect... Marketplaces together. So if you have items that are on the uh, EOS blockchain, they can be converted to the Ethereum blockchain, and vice versa. And I think that's one of the the really cool parts of uh, of actually the, the you know what Wax is doing. And and when you think about marketplaces, you think about them slightly differently now because they're not siloed. You know, it's not like you're buying something in eBay and you can only sell it in eBay. It's now you're buying something from one game and that's fungible with some, some something from another right, game. Or at right. least they're willing to trade and you can do that trade. Yeah. They're not siloed into their own ecosystem. And that would
0: be kind of envisaged by a decentralized exchange of some sort, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no central point of authority. And the other point that we both agree on is, you know, for that to take place, it would need to be a seamless experience. So the user wouldn't even know they're interacting with a blockchain. It would be so easy to use and you'd have no idea of the backend infrastructure that's there because that's not important. What's important is the fact that you can trade with anyone else in the world in-game assets, right? In a sword or any other aspect of the game itself. And I think that's going to be really key for actual adoption because at the minute it's a little bit sluggish mm. from what we have seen. And I think that you know, for, for this really to take off, it's going to have to be perfected. That just yeah,
1: I, I think that we can get lost sometimes. We're talking about the nuts and bolts of what what's going on under the hood, and <laughs> and we all understand it. But we have to understand that once again, the actual uh, blockchain ecosystem is tiny, and really, your is really the users that you're trying to attract are the ones that are in the you know in just used to centralized applications. That they they're they're the masses that you're trying to attract. And the only way you're going to do that is by creating an experience that is completely uh, free of all the blockchain complexities that are currently, you know, out there. And, and and you just have to be a bit clever with with how you open up accounts and how you manage permissions and, mm-hmm. and how you manage data on behalf of other people. And it's a transitionary process. So you're not. It's I think it's unrealistic to think that you're going to go from totally centralized to totally decentralized. There has to be a transitionary period. Yeah, and it's a learning process as well. Like we're seeing with the block producers we mentioned
0: earlier, the, the transparency, and that's all part of learning how this works. We're venturing into the unknown, we're pioneering in this. Yeah. And this technology is so powerful, but no one's, it's not like, oh, this guy's done it, this is how you do it. Like we're still trying to figure out how it's gonna be done correctly for the most amount of people out there, how it's gonna benefit everyone.
1: Yeah, I think that it's universally kind of accepted and known that gaming's gonna be one of the first uh, sectors to really adopt blockchain in in, in, a, in a in a big way, and their user base are already quite used to using cryptocurrencies. I know a lot of them deal in you know you know right. cryptocurrencies digital already, digital gold. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about that, and I think that you know we're currently just working mm. through a lot of the problems. This is like ground this is like ground zero right now, yeah. and um, you know from here once we've built the standards and frameworks, everything else becomes a lot easier stay stay tuned for more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome listen that's a wrap
0: um we've got to bounce thank you so much for your time and attention and if you haven't already subscribe to the svk crypto 15 minutes of crypto fame podcast myself and oliver mayor will be coming live each and every tuesday with what's been going down and what you need to know in the eos ecosystem this is an eos focused episode We look forward to bringing more just like this. So make sure that you're subscribed so you don't miss out. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at SVK underscore crypto. And if you have Telegram, I'm sure you do. You've got to join our community, our crowd, our gang on Telegram, which is SVK crowd. If you type that in, I promise you that you'll find us and you'll find myself. You'll find Oliver and you'll find the rest of the team on there as well. So with that in mind, that's a wrap and we've got to bounce.